0: I'm a man. Hey, let's, uh, we'll just get into this. Um, so tell me a little bit about, I think one of the things that I'm really interested in of the story that, uh, you and I spoke about before we, as our, as we opened up this uh, interview is you went to seminary. Like I'm always intrigued by men that go to seminary. And then of course they're married and they have life outside of the, that aspect. So, um, tell me a little bit about like, what, like, when did you know that the, that's something that you wanted to do?
1: Oh boy, that that is a, a loaded question with a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of interest behind it, Josh. So I I grew up came from a business family. Uh-huh. Uh, my dad was the CEO of a company in New York, and uh, I, I really came to faith uh, in a genuine way. I, I kind of had a few experiences with God in high school, but then in college, uh, I, I played some football and I was uh, in a fraternity. And believe it or not, at a grain alcohol fraternity party, uh, <laughs> I, I basically saw that there was darkness in the world, and the darkness was me too, uh-huh. and uh, and so that really started my spiritual journey, and and then you come to a point where a lot of people who are in their you know teens and twenties and thirties know this, where you suddenly have to make decisions that impact the whole rest of your life. Yeah, You know, they really are big decisions and you haven't had much guidance to it. But uh, going to an Ivy League school and, uh, you know, being involved in the things I was, I was really hungry once I came to know Jesus, started leading a Bible study, got involved with Athletes in Action. I was really hungry to to grow, to grow spiritually. And so my pastor had gone to seminary and I heard about Dallas Theological Seminary, and it was so different from Cornell that I think uh, I just felt like I gotta I gotta try something different. I've mm-hmm. gotta go there. I didn't know if I'd want to be a pastor or not, but I knew I wanted to get to know God.
0: Mm-hmm. Can I? So you were also a football player, and yes. so did you have any aspirations to 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 follow that dream farther than college? <laughs> I mean course I did yeah.
1: Josh but uh you know and then there was reality you yeah, know yeah. so I I mean Cornell isn't isn't USC or anything but um right. but I you know I grew up in a all my brothers played football I played football and so um I knew I started to know I didn't want to do what my dad did but really you know a lot of a lot of the heroes you know I mean I literally have a picture on my desk of my high school football coach. Hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, football and sports just really had a huge impact on me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You went on further to, you know, after college, uh, you, I mean, you started a church in Boston. You actually went to that degree of it when you, after a seminary, and you worked at Willow Creek as well, too. I think it was Willow Creek, was it Willow Creek first, and yep. then you, uh, then you opened up a church in Boston?
1: Yes, Yeah. So having grown up in the Northeast, grew up outside of New York City, my dad was from Boston and having come to faith in in an Ivy League school, there was the desire to say, hey, how do we bring authentic faith, authentic Jesus into that world? When so many people reject religion, I think for a lot of good reasons. I mean, I think if I, if I, if my experience of Christianity was what a lot of people's was, I would reject it. Mm -hmm. So my my wife and I both had a passion around bringing, bringing God into an Ivy league type of world and Boston. I mean, it's got Harvard and MIT and Boston college and, you know, you name it. So yeah, we, for the, for the nineties in 1991, we moved there and uh, started Beacon community church.
0: Yeah. I, I just I love the history because really, I mean, at present day now, uh, one of the things that you're that doing, I mean, your main thing that you're doing now is, is you're training coaches, you're your training leaders to how, how they can lead other people. And I really wanted to set that foundation of the fact that you were, uh, for the longest time in your life, you were trying to lead yourself. You're trying to find your mm-hmm. spiritual uh, uh, path. And I think it's really awesome and an indicative of uh, the success that you've seen and where, why you're so passionate about this, uh, the, the state of where you're at right now in your life. Um, Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about um, uh, your company. Now we train coaches uh, um, a little bit. What, like, what's the inspiration behind that? How did you see, and why did you see a need or when did you see a need uh, for this in our world?
1: Yeah, well, you know, the reason I went into pastoring was I wanted, I wanted to help people grow. I wanted to help people change. Yeah. Uh, I think most people who go into ministry have that as a, as a certain, you know, passion and desire. Most people don't go into it for the fame or the money, right? So um, along the way, the more I was leading the church, the further away I got from the actual transformation of, of working directly with people. And uh, and I started to see that the reason that I went into pastoring in the first place was I wanted to help people become who God had invited them to be. Mm-hmm. Now one of my one of my favorite scriptures now that I never would have noticed had I not gone through my own pain was Ephesians two ten, where it says that um, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God planned in advance for us to do. Mm. And and what I've come to see is Mm. most people don't know what that is. Yeah. And and no, and they don't have people in their lives who help unlock that inside of them. And I as a pastor felt like I still didn't know who I really was and what I really was called to do. And that's a hard place to be when you're leading a church and you're leading others and you're feeling like Am I being the real me? Yeah. You know, when 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 I share my story, do I have to edit it? Or can I just go, hey, this is the real me?
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things that you opened up with me the last time, and I and I hope you're okay with me asking this and having you share this is I mean, you got to a point where you just had burnout. You know, when you're not Living in your purpose when you're not chasing what you know that you've been meant to do and created to do, uh, it's you're in constant conflict, right? And you just you just talked about that, but you got to a point where it was literally burnout that you felt, and you needed to know you needed a career change.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think of it almost like having like um, dirty energy and clean energy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what leads to burnout is we're not operating in clean energy. You know, we're editing ourselves. We're living somewhat of a false life. And so as Pastor Jeff and a lot of things I was doing and things I was teaching and saying, I felt like I'd come away tired. Like I'd, because I felt like I was constantly needing to edit myself. And when your your body starts to feel that, you know, your body feels the tension of it, you know, versus when you're just living authentic, energy flows, real you. And what, what happened was over time, you know, I kept saying things that I didn't really believe Mm. and I kept trying to act as ways that weren't really me and it was energy draining. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I was the guy who would yell at his kids and yell at his wife and show up and preach about love.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, it it just feels like this can't be good. You know?
0: Yeah. So now that you are training coaches um, you know, obviously, especially in today's world right now, there's, there's so many things that are hitting us constantly. And as leaders, we're getting bombarded all the time by not only social media, by the news, by the things that are changing the, the, the challenges that we're facing that we, you know, some can control, but most of the stuff we can't control. I'd love to know, like, what, what is your perspective? Like, what are you seeing as the biggest challenge that leaders, the people that you're coaching, the people that you, um, that you're able to impact and influence. What do you see that they're they're having challenges trying to overcome?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think two things come to mind. Is one is the burnout that you're talking about. I think I think a lot of leaders are are fatigued. They're tired, and and they don't quite know where they can share that authentically. And you know, complaining doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, being being an- anxious doesn't work. So I think number one, I think a lot of leaders are, are feeling tired because they, they don't have some of the things that I, I, I'm wanting to help coaching bring. Uh, the second thing is, I think, you know, the reality is willpower and white knuckling. It doesn't work for most of us. Mm. You know, if it did, we wouldn't need uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or yeah. Ways to Overcome Addiction. So I think a lot of times leaders feel like they need to just try harder, and uh, and it's kind of you know why a lot of New Year's resolutions don't work is because you know willpower alone doesn't work, mm-hmm. and so that's where I believe that you know what what we can do in 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 coaching is help create a new environment so that people can actually make progress because when leaders aren't making progress, they feel stuck. They feel discouraged. They feel, you know, like, why am I even doing this? I went into this to change lives and it's not working.
0: Yeah. How long of a process does that typically take? Do you think? I mean, you know, we're training people. We, we, you know, of course, we're trying to coach our internal leadership as much as we possibly can. And, and James, uh, my right hand man, is, uh, you know, we, him and I have constant conversations about this, right? About like, well, how much how much grace do you give, and how long does this last, and how long do you want, I mean, how many second chances do you give? And you know, we have our, I have my certain take on it, but I just love to know on your end, like, when you have a leader come to you. And let's just say they've been coaching with you for six months and they're still stuck doing the same stuff. Like, how do you, like, how did, how does that next step happen? What does what does that look like for them to really overcome that big obstacle in their life so that they can get on the other side of that mountain and see all the other mountains that they need to tackle?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm reminded of a story that I heard when I just started coaching. I've been coaching for 20 years. This was uh, maybe about 18 or 19 years ago. I went to hear a guy speaker, great speaker, uh, teacher named Matthew Kelly. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Matthew was was teaching at a, a big church up in the north of Chicago and uh, he's a great communicator said, Hey, how many people think people like change? He goes, raise your hand. If you think people <laughs> like change, how many people do you think raised their hand? Yeah.
0: Zero. <laughs> One. Oh, no way. It was you Matthew do? Kelly.
1: Oh, It wasn't me. It was Matthew <laughs> Kelly. Matthew said, I believe people like change. I believe they want the the better career. They want a yeah. better marriage. They want, they want to lose weight. They, they want to be, you know, make more money. He goes the problem is this thing called transition hmm. He goes, and a lot of people you know won't won't budge with transition because they're they they're afraid of it and so i see this this change process as as entering into transition hmm. and and i i coach people you know for a minimum of six months because I believe that it, it takes time to really change. Yeah. But there's some things that can short the process. You know, we all want to short the process. We right. don't want to like, hey, I'll, you know, when I'm 95, I, I'll finally arrive. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't believe it needs to be that. It doesn't need to take that long. In fact, I mean, how many people do you know, Josh, who'll say, hey, I want to find my career. So I'm going to take like five years off or, you know, take... And I'm like, well, that's awesome, but it doesn't need to take that long. Yeah, that's called so retirement. The- <laughs> that, when you take five years off like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's more than five. Years. But,
1: but that's where I believe that coaches and guides come in who can yeah. help you short the process. And, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, Jesus was a, a master at was not just telling people what to do. He certainly taught, mm-hmm. but he asked great questions. He drew people out. And and he would um, he, he would invariably turn it around. And instead of telling somebody what to do, he would ask them a question. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonas Salk, the guy who invented the polio vaccine, said, you know, what most people think of as the moment of discovery is really the discovery of the question. Mm -hmm. So, so I kind of think that there comes a time in a lot of people's lives and maybe someone's listening, you know, and they're going, Hey, all right, I'm ready to change. I'm ready for the new career. I'm ready to grow my leadership, you know, and they're asking how, and that's where I think sometimes the right question is really who, Mm -hmm. you know, who, who knows how to do this? Yeah. Who can be my guide? Who's the right coach? Who's the right counselor? And, and when you have the right coach or have the right counselor, I don't think it needs to take a decade. Yeah. You know, it, it needs, it's not like you just take this pill and call me in the morning, but there is a sense in which the right guide, the right coach, the right, you know, mentor even can, can help you short the process. Yeah.
0: You know, one of the things that I've found, because I think that was the, one of the biggest, um, moments and opportunities and game changers that I experienced in my growth when I did, uh, hire a coach, hire a mentor uh, is the fact that now it became a lifelong journey. Like, um, I, I know that I had a transition, for about almost two years there where i was searching for that next mentor right i needed the next Mm -hmm. one i you know there are times sometimes where you do outgrow that coach right and that's great because that means that you have grown you have committed to the change that you wanted to and uh i but i know that i felt lost and i know that as much as i could do it on my own because of my own internal strength I wasn't making nearly the momentum and nearly the change that I could when I had somebody that was sitting at my table that was coaching me or mentoring me. And uh, I, you know, I can't say enough about what you're doing. I think it's awesome. I'm curious to know, um, you know, are you a lot like other coaches where sometimes you just don't feel adequate? Like you just like, man, I got this is a tremendous amount of responsibility. I got to, I'm helping walk with somebody as they're making you know, changes in their lives and greater impact in their lives. And it's like, sometimes we have that, you know, imposter syndrome that we go through. I'm just curious for you, did you ever have that at the beginning? Because this is the, you you know, you were, you were in coaching, you left that for a while, and then you got back into coaching to establish the, the, we train coaches program. Did you have any of that imposter syndrome at all during that, 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 that process?
1: yeah, I mean you know if 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 we waited until we were perfect, uh, we certainly would never coach anybody else. So number one, I mean, yeah. if you're waiting to be perfect, certainly it, it doesn't happen. I mean I before coaching sessions, I mean i I, I coach some very impressive people mm-hmm. and i will I will show up and I'll just open my Bible or open my hands and go, God, you know, I need you. Yeah. be with me. And uh, you know one of the key things about coaching is you know your presence is your greatest present. And so like, if I show up to perform and impress the people I'm coaching, that's not great coaching. Yeah. I need to show up, you know, all in all, all me, but I do feel like I um, I was working with a coach and I, I work with a coach. I work with a counselor. I have worked with a spiritual director. I, I tell my wife sometimes for me, it takes a village Yeah, you know, because I I know my brokenness. Yeah. I mean, I'm the pastor who, you know, one time picked up his, his uh, 12 pound concordance and whipped it across the room and broke the wall and broke the concordance. And I mean, I, I, I was one of those people, you know, you think you have a problem, you yeah. know, so I, I get that, but I, I also um, have realized that coaching has changed my life. And I mean, I know I'm not the coach. I, you know, I'm, I'm a lot better than the coach I was 20 years ago. Yeah but i i truly believe and the reason i started we train coaches is because i believe that a great coach who's who's adequately equipped and has some natural coaching abilities can coach at any level and and so i wrote a book that's part of the coaching curriculum called the eight coaching habits mm-hmm. and when you learn how to coach and you learn how to ask really curious questions you get to where you can coach anyone and coaching can be learned and more is caught than taught so part of our program is really to mentor coaches so that they experience their own coaching that they then can learn and bring to somebody else so so yes i still experience you know the imposter syndrome no, it's not as, as bad as it was, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I do feel like, you know, growing as a coach is really valuable. Yeah. And so, you know, I feel like the best coaching place is we train coaches, but I am partial to it. No.
0: You know? Well, I think you've got an amazing issue because nobody coaches the coach, right? And oftentimes what ends up happening is that these people go out there, say that they're a coach, but they're not even being mentored themselves. So I really feel, I, I love that you started to talk a little bit more about the, we train coaches program that you have developed because I know that there's a lot of people out there. They, they have that burden on their heart, right? They know that they were meant to lead in some fashion. They know that they were meant to impact and influence people in some way, but they just don't know how. Tell us a little bit more, if you don't mind about your program. You know, if you, I think you said it was about a six month program. Like, tell me like, what is it? Is it a lot of one-on-one? Yeah. Is it group coaching? Like give us a kind of a, yeah. a an oversight. Yeah. Of this. I mean, the,
1: so I I created the program starting five years ago that I wished I'd had. I actually had the blessing of going through the guy who founded coaching executive coaching life coaching was thomas leonard okay. uh, started coach you back in the 1990s amazing coach i mean i'd watch him at him and it was like watching a great baseball player a great dancer yeah. great football player yeah but um he he was amazing but i i realized as a coach i wished i'd had some other things and so there's five key pillars that that we've put into we train coaches and can I can I share what those are?
0: Yes, please do. Yes. All right. So so I'm exci- one, I'm excited to know this man. So, <laughs> you yeah, I'm going to be taking notes here.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so number one, it's it's a spiritual formation uh, foundation. You know, I, I believe that the the formation of the coach and and their spiritual growth and their confidence and and their uh you know being able to show up is is vital. And, and so, you know, coming as a pastor, I, uh, I really believe that it starts with the, the formation of the coach, just in the same way as the formation of the leader. Yeah. And so there's there's a lot that we do that, that connects to the, the habits and disciplines of the coach. Yeah. The second thing is a mentor-coach relationship, where it's a very one-on-one. You meet every two weeks with your coach, where they coach you, And they coach you in your growth and what you're involved with and your relationships and your vision. And you do role play. Mm. And just so you're going through the process and you're learning with your coach and you're evaluating, you know, so you're learning by being coached. The third is then we have a coaching community and a cohort that meets every two weeks where you meet with your cohort. And, and there's topics, and sometimes it's just what we call coach the coach sessions, where you know I'll coach somebody, and then we'll evaluate, and then I'll invite somebody else to coach. So we're constantly pushing the edge of of growing as coaches and bringing the topics to bear. Uh, the fourth the fourth pillar is uh, is a coaching curriculum that was actually it started out as one book that I wrote, but it turned into three. Uh, that, that are only available to people in We Train Coaches. And the first mm-hmm. one is just called Transformational Coaching. The second is The Eight Coaching Habits. The third is The Thriving Coach. So you work through these books, but you then process them with your coach and with your community. And then the fifth is coaching tools. Um, you know, like as any builder knows, you know, the better the tools that you have the better you're able to, um, you know, build a great house. Yeah. So, you know, so we, we, I'm constantly collecting them and creating them. So, you know, there's all the access to the coaching tools as well.
0: Now, oh, I love it. I, for all those that were, that, that cannot see this, I really was writing all of those steps down. I think it's actually, uh, unbelievably brilliant. You know, one of the things, uh, and I, and you kind of, uh, you talked about this, about your books. Um, I have so much admiration for people that write books. Uh, I had the pleasure to have um, a time in my life where I was able to do that. And I know the painstaking uh, moments and and the process and the rewriting and the, is this, this sucks. <laughs> this is a bad book, you know, and rewriting that. And, and, and you did this, you've done this multiple times. I'm just curious, uh, the first book, did you ever, after, first of all, how was the process for you the first time? Like, tell me about like at the end of it, what was that like after the first book?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, this is one of those things that you and I know nothing about, but we we can, uh, you know, try to gain, it's like giving birth. It's like, all right, this is uncomfortable. And you know, what I saw my wife go through three times, it it doesn't always look pretty, but the, the things that come out are worth it. And uh, what, what I've learned, you know, Josh is that, you know, I have got to write what I really care about. And I once heard uh, someone say, when you write, you've got to almost like crack a vein and bleed on paper. (laughs) You know, wow. it's got to come yeah. out of, of, of your authentic mm. you. But uh, I, I wrote a book a few years ago, uh, years ago, years ago, uh, called The Habits of Hope. Right. And I, I wrote it and it was, you know, really my story of, of how God transformed me and brought me back to hope. And uh, it actually takes place in a literal physical place in, in the Adirondack Mountains called Hope. And I would write the book and I would literally sometimes weep on paper. Mm. And then I'd read chapters to people and I'd, I'd just weep and they'd be like, oh, my gosh, when's this coming out? Mm. And it took me eight years. And finally, after eight years, I, I thought, you know what, if I ever die, I want my wife to publish this. Mm. And so I need to tell her where it is on my computer. Yeah. And I thought that is really stupid you know, like if you're, if you're waiting to die to get this out there. So I literally hired my own coach and I, I hired him in, in January. And by, by March, I had finished the book, found a way to publish it. And, you know, I, I realized I needed my own coach and he didn't do much beside help me stay accountable, yeah. help me, you know, really kind of get what was on my mind. In fact, um, have you ever heard of the American Society of Training Developments uh, statistics on accountability? Heck no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, That's they're a crazy, lot. All right, no, yeah. American not. Society of Training and Development. This is crazy. You can look uh, it up on Google. So, like, if you write down a goal, you're forty-seven percent more likely to achieve it. Okay. Okay. If you confide in another person, it goes up to sixty-five percent. If you meet regularly for accountability with somebody else, what do you think the statistic is? How how, how likely are you to to achieve it?
0: Ninety percent.
1: Ninety five. Wow. Ninety five percent. I mean, you know, so I don't, how did they get those statistics? I don't know, but it's on the internet. Maybe Abraham Lincoln or Einstein said it, you know, but uh, but I do think there's just an, a powerful value in writing. I do think that there, there's a need for a community, whether it's a writer's group. Uh, I I found that having a coach made all the difference and and I like writing, you know, but, but there's something about a book that really does feel like giving birth. uh, If if a guy can know what that means.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that I'm not the only one that felt that way because it was a process. Now, after you've done this a number of times, what is it like for you now? Is it now? Is it a lot easier? Is it like, hey, listen, I've got my flow. I know exactly what I need to do. It's a, the process is 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 not painful anymore. Like, tell me what the last yeah. books looked like.
1: Yeah, one of the, another concept that I learned. I, I won't use the the word that it says exactly. Is but you need to be willing to write crappy first drafts, mm. right? You probably heard it said a different yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that the whole concept of you know what if you try to write a bestseller and you're writing on page. You know, you're, you're not going to write great stuff. But if you write what's real, and you're okay to throw it out and throw it out, and yeah. I have thrown out 1000s and 1000s of pages, or they exist somewhere on some computer that, you know, is, is in some computer shop somewhere in a garbage, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but writing, writing, I think is an amazing if, if, if you know, anyone's listening, and they're going, Alright, I want to write, you know, number one, I do think like you have something to say. Often people think, well, mm-hmm. what 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 can I say about this? And and you know, you see something in a very distinct way. You've got a unique perspective. Yeah. And so writing writing is a ministry. Writing can change someone's life. I mean, good books have been transformational for me. Yeah. But uh, as my wife said a few years ago, there's a difference between the transformation of information and transformation. And so, you know, mm. there there's that's transformational good. books and then there's informational books and um, you know, a lot of informational books, the ones that we love are transformational. Yeah. That's Hopefully awesome. Somebody I love that.
0: Man, I tell you what, buddy, I am taking so many great notes right now, and I'm going to have to review this again to get some of those one-liners as well too. So I appreciate you throwing those in there uh, as we've been going. Um, you know, as you know, the audience that we have uh, you know, they're, they're young entrepreneurs, not necessarily young in life, but they're young entrepreneurs or they're just, they're in that grind of stuff, right? And and they're trying to reach that next mountain. And then of course, once they reach that peak, then they understand that there's an entire mountain range of other mountains that they're going to need to climb. One of the things that I love, one of the messages that you um, uh, you resound with so much and I know that you proclaim is that you really can change. I'd love for you to just talk to the um, our people about that because- like you said, and we've, we've talked about this a little bit already is that, you know, change is really hard. Change is difficult, especially if it's not the change that we're ready for at that time. But, um, you know, we just went through a really challenging time in our company just this last week. Um, and we were forced changed. We were forced to accept change and it's okay. Like we are going to thrive from that, but only because we have this understanding and this mindset and we know like we've, we've had to do this before. You really can change. And I love this theme. Would you speak a little bit into that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Romans 12, 2 talks about, you know, the, that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Sometimes we wanna we want the, the fruit of it, um, but it really does start inside our own minds. And and so, you know, working on and being intentional to grow our mind. Grow our mindset has to be a leader's first and first and foremost. I, you know, you connect with God, which is about the, your own transformation. And so, I'm I'm just such a big believer in developing your habits of your change. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this you've heard the speed of the leader, the speed of the team. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's dangerous, right? Yeah. Or sometimes we're such slackers that we're influencing our team. So as an entrepreneur, you know, you are your most important product, whether you're building a product or you're in the service industry. Yeah. And so, you know, like you need to know what is it, what do you need to do to transform your mind? And, and so like one of the first things I always do as a coach is help someone get a picture of their best them, you know, get get clear on who, who are you when you are really you then get clear on where you are now Mm -hmm. and then and then start knowing okay what needs to be in place to move from here to there and and because i believe that willpower doesn't work i believe that you've got to know how do we create the environment for change you know who who do we need around us what what are the habits of of that i mean Josh, I, I just lost 35 pounds as of yesterday, Okay, right. celebrated with Congratulations. my coach. But I have never, I mean, I started, I played football, I think I weighed 190 or 195, huh. uh-huh. okay? I got up to, at one point, I was 260, wow. but I was always in 230s and I'd lose about five and I'd go back, I'd lose 10, I'd go back and, uh, and I, I've never been able to lose that much weight and what I realized is I needed a program, a process, a coach, and and so I joined. I felt a little like, all right, am I embarrassed that I need a program? And I think great leaders know they need environments. Yeah, they need to be around other leaders. They need the retreats that you do. They need the coaching that you do, and and so you know I, I've just become such a, a big fan of, hey. First, know what the change is that you really want, but then how do you create the environment or join the environment because you're worth it and because the change is valuable?
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, You know, Jeff, I love what you're doing. Um, I love where your heart's at with this as well, too, because I think, you know, as I look at these five core foundations that uh, you teach on, uh, I love that you start with the spiritual formation. It is so absolutely important. We talk about the five foundational pieces a lot in the organization, in, in man-made that we have, uh, even in just in, in our leadership in general, and, we, and it always starts with faith. And, um, I just, I can't tell you that, uh, that is the absolute root of it. If that foundation is not built, if that's not, that formation has not been nurtured. Um, it's tough to be a really great and impactful leader, uh, for good. And so, yeah. um, so how do people find out a little bit more about you? Where do they go? I know you have an assessment as well, too, that people can take. That's a free assessment yeah. that shows them a little bit about their leadership.
1: Yeah, so we actually have an easy website to remember it's we okay so like you, you, you say what do you do well we train yeah. coaches but <laughs> but it's the whole the whole sense is we train coaches who transform lives mm. and so you know we, we we're, we're working with individuals and you know we're developing things for companies and organizations that want to bring coaching into their organization but um, sometimes you know someone's listening to this and they're going you know is, is coaching for me? Yeah. you know, like it might this coaching thing be for me, either in my leadership, or, you know, might I add coaching to my life or become a professional. And so if you go to wetraincoaches.com, there's uh, a link there to something that's called the coaching for me assessment, it's a free assessment. And then the other thing that we're, we're just putting up now is, uh, is a 10 day thing called 10 days to grow your confidence, mm. which is uh, like a 10 day uh, video series that I taught. And I think confidence is just critical to anything. and uh, and so people might go, well, how do I grow that? Yeah. And so uh, it's another free tool that we've got there. So it's right on the website. and uh, but love to love to connect with people who have a heart for coaching. I, I, I've said, you know, I believe coaches are today's new spiritual leaders
0: Mm.
1: and, and not the only spiritual leaders, clearly there's others, but, you know, coaches can work with people in professional sports. They can work with people in politics. They can work with people in career transition. And, and I believe they need to be trained spiritually to do that. And so that's just, you know, really what my own passion is, uh, to see that happen.
0: I love it, man. I I so appreciate your time. This has been so much fun. Once again, I got a ton of notes here and I can't wait to listen to it again so I can write down so those one-liners and use them and uh, duplicate them in, in my life. And, uh, and I'm going to go take your assessment, man. I'd, l- I'd love to see this. I- I'd like firsthand experience there. And of course, we can all build more confidence. So uh, you better believe I'll be downloading that as well too. So um, any awesome. last parting words for our audience? Anything you'd like to just uh, leave them with as we uh, end our, our uh, podcast today?
1: Yeah. I mean, something um, I, I asked the question sometime to somebody, Hey, if you had a million people that you were to give a message to, what would you tell them? <laughs> and I, what I, what I say is, Hey, you've got something that God has put in you that is really significant. And if you don't step out and use it, all of us lose and you lose and your family loses. And so, you know, bring what you've got into the world and sure. There's going to be so many people and challenges But, you know, persevere because what you have is what the rest of us need.
0: Love it. Amen to that. That is awesome. Jeff, my man, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be with us, to be with our audience. And I know that you just made a fantastic impact.
1: Great, Josh. Well, it's great to be with you. Thanks for all you do.
0: Yeah. All right, you guys. Hey, you guys know uh, we don't ask for much. But what we do ask is that you pay the price of admission. And what you do, you just support this. You get this into the hands of those that need it, that want to hear it, that need to listen to this message that Jeff brought to you today. And uh, as always, you know, we love you, we appreciate you, and we most certainly will be seeing you on the next episode.